serves. This is Sir Gene with your morning update in the afternoon. Once again, joining me, a dude named Ben named Ben. How are you, Ben? Better than I was last night. Yeah? Really? This is the third time we've had this conversation. Well, I don't mind having the same conversation over and over. It's totally normal. Yeah, it's all good. So we started this conversation right when the Nord Stream 2 blew up. You and I had a phone call and yep. started talking about, oh, holy shit, what's going on? Last night we tried to record the podcast, but it was too late and just didn't work out for a few different reasons. One yeah, of which me being it. inebriated after fo- okay. a day of football. You want to admit to that? That's fine. I was going to say we had technical issues, but okay. Ah, yeah. Hey, I'm an open and honest guy. Hey, people first hundred dollar donation to us. I'm going to send you a copy of that conversation. <laughs> All right, next. <laughs> Damn it, Gene. <laughs> hey, man, this is how you get donations. Give people Uh, something they want to hear. So we've had this conversation a few times, but now we're having it recorded and everybody's feeling good. So the pipeline you're supposedly in Mexico. I am in Mexico. I'm on vacation. I'm enjoying Mexican vacation right now. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Drive vehicles for some reason. I don't see how that makes it. There's cars of all types in all countries, so that matter at all. And either way, I'm I'm sitting out here in the sunshine and enjoying life. That's what I'm doing. Not thinking about the impending nuclear war at all. Well, the, the thing is, I it seems that every time I turn around, we're inching closer and closer to that. It feels it like really it, doesn't it? a terrifying thing. It, it, I think, it does. It, it feels like it's a inexorable march towards World War III. Yeah. Like it, it is sown... It's done. This is what we're going to be doing now. I don't see much turnaround. Yeah. And it really sucks because I've still got another like nine months before my nuclear war products are ready. So it's bad timing all the way around. Nine months? That long? Oh, dude. Are you kidding? From design to actual availability on Amazon, nine months is short. Hmm. Well... All I can say is we're being gaslit. So U.S. media and congressmen, even Glenn Beck said, Glenn Beck was mm-hmm. going, hey, we did this because, you know what, it's pretty fucking obvious that the West did this. It was either the United States or it was China. Those are the yeah. only two realistic options. To say that so, Russia bombed their own pipeline is just asinine. It, it seems asinine. So since... We tried recording yesterday. I actually watched another video this morning and I posted a note on social with one of the military retired folks. I can't remember his name that's been popping up here and there and talking about where we are. And he was, he's not been bought by the, the current administration. So he's actually talking reality. And I thought it was very fascinating that he thought that it's 100% not Russia that did this. Mm-hmm. there's certainly some possibility the U.S. did this. There's also a pretty good possibility that Poland did this. Poland, I'm not I the don't only think, one, has the capability. I'm not though. the only one spreading the Poland message here now. Do you think Poland has the capability, though? I mean, we're talking fairly deep, and, you know, this was not a trivial exercise. This okay, pipeline so you have is... to, this is the trap that people always get caught in. Uh, when dealing with governments, both U.S. government and internationally, mm-hmm. is this idea was like, did, quote unquote, Poland do it? And most people are saying, OK, so Poland's going to have some Polish special forces divers going down there to plant some mines. No, it was 
probably done by freelancers. So any country could have paid for this, literally any country on the planet, because if you do something like this, and including if the U.S. did it, and including if Russia did it, there's no way in hell you're going to use your country's military forces to do this. This is a freelance operation. And given that, hmm. it's going to be Just very for plausible difficult. deniability. Any country, hell, any rich billionaire that wants to do this could do it. It really doesn't matter because you're never going to utilize official government employees to do something like this ever. So yeah, plausible deniability, because then you can sit there in front of Congress three years later or whatever, and then no, we are not at all spying on U.S. American citizens mm -hmm. because we're not, because we have five eyes and we have every other country spying on Americans. Yeah, we're not, but the UK is. Because it's all in how they use the language. And this is why, I mean, people, let's give credit where credit is due. At least the NSA was smart enough, we had enough lawyers talking to them to say, if we want to do this, we certainly have the technical capability to do it, but we can't have our fingerprints over it. Now, here are some legal actions that we can take to be able to spy on Americans and not spy on Americans. And that is by providing access to our super high-end snooping equipment to other friendly countries and then having them spy on the Americans, which technically allows us to answer that question negative. And then share the information across. Well, of course. But the point, it'd be bad if the NSA was spying Americans. But I think it's kind of worse having that outsourced to some third-rate European countries. Yeah, to an extent. But at the same time... I mean, if I'm going to get spied on, I'd rather have my own country doing it. Eh, I'd rather just not be spied on, though. <laughs> so well, fair enough. But given the no choice to not be... It's like if you want to get advertisements popping up would you rather get ads in english or chinese i just block the ads but if you can't <laughs> it, it, point taken man but it, what know, it comes I'm, down I'm just to trying to say obviously it's better to not have the ads and it's better what not it to comes down to is i don't think either of us believe that russia bombed its own pipeline yeah occam's razor says there's no way they did it there's only one possible way that they would have thought of doing that and that is if they thought that there was enough other countries that would believe that the U.S. would do it to be able to, you know, essentially do it just to put blame on the U.S. But well, yeah. I don't think they've got that mass of countries that are ready to flip flop and go to the Russia side right now. And that's yet another thing that makes me think there's no way in hell they did it because it is the example that I have used before is it's literally like shooting yourself in the foot, in your own foot, because you're too lazy to take off your shoes. And in this example, the taking off the shoes is simply flipping a freaking switch to cut the gas flow. Like they have the control of this stuff. They can start and stop at any time they want. And instead, they choose to blow up the pipeline. What? Yeah, the only argument that I've heard is using it as something to basically as a Reichstag moment to as a rallying cry. But it, it, that would have made sense before the mobilization, right? So if this had happened before the mobilization and then this is the impetus and the excuse for the mobilization, 
then that argument could possibly make sense. But right now, it's just it doesn't. so unlikely. Yeah, it, it just makes very little sense. I do like the theory, and we talked about it when this happened, that Tim Pool's actually come out with now mm-hmm. as well. But you and I talked about it first. Yep. Granted, in private, but of... <laughs> so we have no proof. No recording. But, uh, didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, well, I don't know. You may have a recording. You record well, everything, right? Fair enough. Used to. I don't know, man. Some of that gear is just starting to break down. Like all the microphones around the house, everything. I don't know what works anymore. Uh Well, the other possibility that's in this outside of the U.S. doing this to motivate Germany is, well, China doing it to put Russia and the U.S. on this collision course Higher that we tension, seem to be yeah. on. Which is good for China. I mean, China, I've said this well, for many times. it pushes Russia towards China. It's the big benefactor in this whole mess that we're in right now. Yep. Because it's not focused on them. It gives them a lot more leeway and it gives them an opportunity to even look benevolent as they're trying to say, China's official statement on this right now is that they hope that the two sides can come to some type of negotiation and agreement and end this. I mean, they're totally playing that card right now. Well, and as they should, if you're Chinese, China is doing exactly what you want your government to be doing in this. Yeah, which I think they're doing a better job because they're providing that sort of formal like, hey, guys, you should really fix this about yourselves. And hey, uh, guys, knock it off. Yeah, exactly. Hey, guys, knock it off. Meanwhile, and another video that I posted this morning, there was a clips of, I can't even remember who it was, somebody from the White House. So one of the Biden administration folks talking about how this is a good thing that the pipeline. So this is already after Biden and Victoria Newman got, they were on video months ago talking about how yeah, if Russia invades, they, you know, these pipelines are going to get turned off permanently. In, in February, Biden mm-hmm. said, if Russia invades, the Nord Stream 2 won't happen. Yeah. The reporter said, well, h- how? You, you don't control it. Germany and Russia do. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, we have our ways. Yeah. So, I mean. And there's a similar quote from Victoria Newland from that yeah. time frame. And now today, this guy, or yesterday, from the administration comes out talking about how this is a great thing. The pipeline is shut off. It's another nail in the coffin of Putin, and it, it just brings us that much closer to victory over Russia. <laughs> nail in the coffin of many Europeans. <laughs> well, yeah, fuck the EU, apparently. But here's the thing: even if the U.S. didn't do it by making those statements, Newland and mm-hmm. Biden opened the door for us to be just scope, scapegoated and blank. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And they're not, that's my point in this, is that they're not helping themselves because they keep coming out with more statements about it that makes it look like this is something the U.S. has always wanted mm-hmm. and has got. And it made me think, too, in, in there's something I didn't bring up when we were trying to record yesterday that I think makes a little bit more sense now is, so this definitely fucks over Europe, a weak Europe is not a bad thing for Russia, but it is a great thing for the U.S. And so I really started thinking about this. Well, U.S. isn't in any, there's no negative effect on the U.S. if Europe fails, if Europe goes down. In fact, some of the best times for the U.S. was post-World War II when they were doing land lease deals with all the European countries. 
mm. they've been making loans. These are not grants. These are loans to Europe in order to provide them basic life necessities. Like the U.S. was shipping grain. They were shipping durable tools. They were shipping things that Europe had lost during World War II. And if there's one thing that can keep the U.S. economy afloat, given our current situation, mm. it is, well, there are two things. One, war. Two, having a Europe that is fully dependent on the U.S., for its livelihood. What better way to ensure that the dollar remains at least somewhat Well, uh, I mean, if we relevant. engaged in a neo-Marshall plan, as you're described, through liquid natural gas, farm mm -hmm. goods, especially with the Netherlands backing off and everything yep. else, I don't think it would just be lip service. I think the dollar would stay very dominant, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it would be a huge boost to our economy to exactly. the point where and the it cost would... Of Europe. It would stave off Euthydides, and I can't pronounce that word, trap mm -hmm. with China. Yeah. I mean, we would outpace China at that point to the point where... Yeah, if the U.S. Mm, has to yeah. be the fact, and I use that term loosely because not everything is a manufacturing thing, but if the U.S. has mm -hmm. to be the engine for Europe to get Europe back on its feet mm -hmm. post this awful explosion of the pipeline that clearly Russia did, well, the U.S. is coming across as the savior of Europe and saving the U.S. dollar in the process. So that, I think, is a very reasonable possibility right now as I, to I, why I, the U.S. is acting the way it, man. it is. I think you nailed it because I think that's what they're going for. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to push Russia to the point of just short of World War III, if that's the case. Mm -hmm. But then the gamble that you're making is that by blowing up this pipeline, you haven't crossed a Rubicon with Russia to the point where Putin's going to say, yeah, no, fuck you. Fuck your globalism. Well, I'm, I'm here to kick to, ass and chew gum and I'm all out of gum. Even if the U.S. blew up the pipeline. I mean, I don't know if you heard. Putin's response was, we, it was actually quite similar to, to this general's response, or this politician's response, the, sorry, the military dudes that I was watching response, which is the best thing we can do, and I'm paraphrasing Putin right now, is just investigate the situation and not make any hasty decisions. Mm. And I've said this before, and it continues to be the case over and over, almost on a daily basis here. Putin is the most moderate guy in Russia. And it's amazing mm. how the U.S. keeps wanting to portray him as this totalitarian dictator alternating between Hitler and Mussolini. But the reality is that Putin is the guy that he, in some ways, he's like the anti-Trump. He is never unpredictable. He's always measured. He is always looking at the options and not wanting to make a choice that could get him into a position he can't back out. And mm -hmm. that he is adhering to Sun Tzu's art of war, <laughs> whereas the sort of off-the-cuff reactions that are happening in the West are destabilizing. Um, so I don't know, man. I really just started thinking that maybe this has nothing to do with Russia, really, for the U.S. It just has more to do with getting Europe to become a dependent state, much like it was post-World War II. So whatever Again. <laughs> we need to do, let's just get there. Yeah.
And that's definitely possible. Just real quick before we move off the pipeline stuff, yeah. Billy Bones sent us a note with the disruption in the Nord Stream pipeline. He was oh, recommending book, yeah. a book. Yeah, yeah. So 20... 2034, a novel from the next World War. He sent this to me on Friday. I started it, but I haven't gotten very far, obviously. But it looks to be a pretty interesting book, especially in conjunction with everything that's going on. So mm-hmm. thanks, Billy, for the recommendation. Definitely digging into that. Yeah, yeah. And I'll put it on my list as well, but I guarantee you're going to finish it well before I started. So I know how fast you read. I did actually start rereading a book because it's been about, so I don't know, 15 years since I read something like that called the company yeah. is a, I think in my opinion, it is the best written spy novel out there. About uh, the CIA, I take it, it. It is. Yeah. It's historical fiction and it starts during the 1950s at the, the post-war sort of beginnings of the cold war. And it goes all the way up until the 1990s. Robert Little? Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was Littell. Is it Little? Little, Littell. Yeah. I mean, whatever. written. Very good writing. Very realistic, I've been told. And it's a, it utilizes actual historical figures, which is great. So without giving any of the plot line away, Putin is in the book. Hmm, interesting. Now, is this Putin the politician or Putin the KGB officer? You'll find out when you read it. <laughs> All right. Yes, and for a hundred dollar donation, I'll give away the ending. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a little trick uh, for you guys that I've Gene discovered goes from not wanting to do donations or anything and feeling bad oh, about I it. Checked, shilling. Yeah, like I checked hardcore. my bank account. I'm like, yeah, I need to either get a job or get donations coming in. So, yeah. Here's a little trick to save some money. So if you buy, if you want to buy, and it's not just this book, it's a lot of books, not every book, many books. If you want to buy the book as an audio book on Audible, mm-hmm. there's a whatever price for it. I think this one happens to be 26 bucks or something like that on Audible. 29.39. There you Looking go. 29.39. Right now, and there's another one yeah. that I, that's 22.03. So don't buy it because here's the trick. Here's the trick. Uh-huh. If you go to the Kindle store, you can buy it for four bucks or three bucks. I think three bucks right now. And when you buy it for three bucks on Kindle, Amazon upsells you the Audible version for just seven more dollars. Hmm. So you can get both for 10 bucks instead of one for 29 bucks. So yeah, they always go the other way. Try generally. this way because it, I think this is a better discount. If you start with the Kindle, and then they uh-huh. upsell you the audiobook versus buying the audiobook and then getting the Kindle upsell. Hey, so I always do it whenever I'm getting something, I always get the audiobook and the Kindle because that way I can mm-hmm. go back and forth. And one of the great right. things about that is they do the whisper sync between them. Exactly. Right. So you can be reading, it's got your place, you pick up the audiobook or you're going to bed or whatever, you're listening yeah. to the audiobook, it's right where you left off. Well, I picked up a new Kindle. Uh, in anticipation of uh, sitting in the pool and reading. So I've been doing some of that. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, it's so I sent you a list of countries that have right-hand I, drive I cars. More, car- more Kindles those. have those than... Uh, but either way, it's this is my new thing, and I'm inviting anybody else that wants to join me in rereading it, well, or just reading it for the first time, this book. Because as I'm not a super fast reader, uh, like Ben, so I'm not going to be finished by next weekend. I'm not a It'll super probably, fast reader. 
it'll probably I take me a month or more to get this book read. And so as I'm reading it, and if anybody else wants to start from the beginning on that book and read as well, post your comments, theories, questions, ideas, or whatever, we can have a little discussion about it at noagendasocial.com and talk, talk as we're reading through. Because it's been long enough that I vaguely remember what happened in the book, but I couldn't really summarize. I just remember it was a very well-written book. It was a great historical fiction book. And it dealt, uh, I think, fairly accurately with the activities going on both sides of the Iron Curtain. Well, at least we can, uh, hopefully it depicts the CIA as a bunch of bumbling idiots, because that's my impression of them. But, well, it, they're not that flat a characters. I mean, that, they're pretty well-developed characters, that, but... okay. Uh, it's interesting because my the judge that married my parents and mm -hmm. family friend he was former CIA, and mm -hmm. he made no bones about it. You never leave the CIA. Yeah, you, you don't. Yeah. You the company called him up multiple times for trips to South America, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And he's in his sixties as a judge and quote unquote mm -hmm. retired. So yeah. Yep. Well, it is more of a calling than a job or more of a mob than a job. Yeah. 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 Same thing. I mean, the mob and the CIA, the only way out's in a body bag. So, okay. Interesting. <laughs> but it's anyway. So that's enough of a pitch on that. If somebody does start reading it, just let me know. And then I'll make oh, sure. I'm going to read I Billy Bell's book in. first, but I'll, I already bought the other one there. The oh, company okay. too, so, and you've yeah. never read it before, right? Nope. Okay. No. I'm curious to see what you think. And given how long ago it was written, I think it does a very, it's still very applicable. It does a good job of covering these topics. That may be useful for people that are younger that haven't experienced sort of topics or issues with the, the, in the Soviet Union in the past, Russia now, and the U.S. when things were flaring up. I certainly wasn't around during the Cuban Missile Crisis Kennedy situation, although I'm sure plenty of people think I was. But I do remember when things got pretty heated in the 80s, in the early 80s, and it kind of seemed like uh, nuclear right war the was... collapse. Yeah, like nuclear war. It's, yeah, it's a few years before the collapse. Like, we were getting really close to it. So, yeah, it's... I think for a lot of people that grew up under Bill Clinton and then George Bush, and their only impression of danger is terrorism. Like that's mm -hmm. the only bad guys in, in the post cold war era. And I think the U S is aggressively trying to change that image. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're certainly about to change it. Aren't we? So, sure. It looks like it. Yeah. And we're, and like, we're still in Syria. We still yeah. have about a quarter of the country occupied by the U S no mention of anything. There's no reports from Syria on TV. Nothing's happening. But the U.S. is taking about a quarter to a third of Syrian oil, stealing it, some people would say. But in the U.S.-controlled territories, all that oil is getting pumped out and being sold off by the U.S. Yeah. So, interesting thing. Russia grew. Yeah. I mean... I mean, that's a huge shift. Yeah, you mean added territory? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, now that the Donbass and those four oblasts or however, whatever the Russian word for it is, are now part of Almost Russia. just means region. Yeah, it's an administrative state or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's not as strong of a term as state. That's why I didn't want to translate right. it to state because yeah, it's yeah, yeah. more like a county as far as mm-hmm. governmental power is my understanding at least. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're going to have representatives in the Duma, which is the uh, the Russian version of the Congress. So, well, why don't we start with this? Because I'm not sure I fully understand Russian Federation governmental system post communism to the degree that I should. Sure. Well, the Duma is the lower house of the Federal Assembly of Russia. It was actually started pre communism. So it was the, it was first organized in a, well, at the very last days of the czar, it was one of those sort of compromise moves. Like we're going to have representation. Mm -hmm. So if I may, it's equivalent. I think it's more equivalent to the house of commons in the U S Congress. Well, fair enough. But wasn't the Congress based on the house to an extent, but the way Congress is organized, especially from a parliamentary standpoint, is drastically different. So, yes, it is the people's house is supposed to be the representation of the common man. The way our system is done is not as a parliamentary system, but as a Mm -hmm. Congress. We have two houses, one that is supposed to represent the people and one that is supposed to represent the states that no longer does. But yeah. So there's another much less frequently mentioned part of the uh, Russian federal assembly, which is the federation council, which is the, the other house. So the Duma is the, like, I guess the equivalent to the house and then the federal council would be like the Senate. I mean, they're all slightly different, but they're all kind of similar. It's a bunch of people sitting around and talking bickering, whatever. <laughs> voting. Uh, yeah, voting. Voting to annex know, territory currently in dispute. Well, no, I mean, the, the voting to recognize the <laughs> legitimate votes of citizens of a territory that had declared its independence and desired to uh, rejoin. Sounds very similar to Texas, doesn't that? How Texas you know, used to be part of Mexico, and uh-huh. then there's some military yeah, we actually action fought going a war. on. And uh, then we were a sudden, free and independent nation for a while yeah. too. And then, yeah. and then we made the biggest mistake of our lives. Yeah. So maybe these four regions are going to think exactly the same way. It's like, Hey, yeah. we could have been free and independent. Why the hell did we join Russia? So, so here's the thing, the vote in the Donbass, every freaking region was over 90% to rejoin Russia. There were some it, of the 87 I saw. Okay. 87. Whoopty. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. If people but, are like, oh, well, you know. this a surprise? You know. Because it, it, So here's the thing. If Russia were faking these elections, mm-hmm. those wouldn't be the numbers. Eh, I don't know if I agree with that. During Soviet times. Oh, during Soviet fake, times, elections absolutely. elections were all 99%. Oh, absolutely. Like they felt yeah, 1% was enough to give the other guys, everybody else agrees. <laughs> and that was so clearly fake. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah. Why even bother? I, here's the thing that people I have to keep in mind is that these regions aren't someplace that Russia came and occupied and now is forcing to join it. These are regions that have literally been bombed by uh, the country whose government was overthrown. <laughs> 
for we'll go back eight a little years. bit. Go back a little bit before that. Before what was it Khrushchev? Oh yeah, this it was, was all part Russia. of Russia, right? <laughs> all of it was it, Russia. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. Well, not all of it, but no, all of it. Crimea, again, Donbass, I, I was Ukraine. Russia. Ukraine is just a territorial name. It is mm-hmm. not a state. So it, well, it, I mean, it'd be sort parts of like of Ukraine. We're Russian. Parts of Ukraine. We're Polish. And it yeah, is over it, time. It was created yeah, but, by the Soviets. No, it was. Well, Ukraine was created by the Soviets. Yes, that's absolutely right. But that area, which you mentioned and correctly, had been something that has moved back and forth. The Western, really Western Ukraine. Eastern Ukraine has very solidly been part of Russia. But Western Ukraine had been at times controlled by other countries. Like was it Latvia or Lithuania? I, can't, I think it was Lithuania. So Lithuania and, and Poland controlled it for quite a long period of time. Um, there's a period of time when the, the, uh, the Khanates, the Genghis Khan's relatives mm-hmm. controlled it. There, there was a various points in time where it controlled, but for most of the history of that region, it was controlled by the same exact people and government that was controlling Moscow. Well, so whether you cl- want to call them Russians, whether Ukrainians want to it's, I guess to some Ukrainians, they would say that Russia started in the region of Ukraine and Kiev and then expanded out and then separated from Ukraine. But really, incidentally, Kiev, I think, was really where the Russian empire started. So if anything, I think that's more of an argument for saying Kiev is one of the oldest Russian cities, always has been, and that the term Ukraine, and I've said this before, means borderlands. So as the border has been invaded near that part of the of the current ukraine that region has been owned by different countries or ruled or conquered or whatever i think it was and it's either latvians or lithuanians i can't remember i think it was the lithuanians maybe i'm wrong but they control it for quite a period of time poland uh, controlled it obviously germany took over that region right pretty early on in world war ii that that was their path to moscow was going through ukraine so there there have been and then like the the common states like genghis khan's relatives they controlled for a while so there have been a number of different parties that have controlled it but historically, if you look at the history of Russia, which is about a thousand years or so, so it's still a fairly new country compared to some of the other countries like China, for example, but it's been around that region for a long time. And so what happened, I think, as you were pointing out, Ben, is that the Soviet Union had sort of created Ukraine as a distinct region and i've talked about this as well maybe not on our show but possibly with darren that if you look at most of the soviet era leaders of the soviet union the premiers the guys that actually control things they were not from moscow or st petersburg or central russia they were mostly from southern russia either on the side which would now be i guess once again in russia but (laughs) at some point in ukraine and stalin who's probably one of the best known of the soviet leaders in the u.s he was from georgia so 
there, it, this Russia was not a bunch of North European Russian dudes running things during the Soviet era. Now, during the, the time of the Tsars, they absolutely were North European because the last Tsar of Russia, Nicholas II, mm. was a cousin of the King of England. Was it Edward? What was the guy's name? Yeah, the, there was the interbreeding cousins. of the European yeah. royal families is insanity. Like in Russia 300 years ago, and they started marrying off the Russian males to German females. There, there was a big well, incentive the, to really the, get... The king of England has relatives that were Nazis. Let's just put it that way. Well, uh, everybody is... did. I mean, that's the thing. The, the Greek royalty... Nazis, mm -hmm. the Russian royalties, Nazis. I mean, this is also why Hitler, incidentally, I've read this and I, I believe it to be true, did not think that there would be a big response against German expansion from either Russia or England is because... Well, actually, Hitler went further than that. He thought that the English and the United States would be would allied. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, so, it, that's straight out of Mein Kampf. I mean, he flat yeah. out said that he thought that the U.S. and England would be allies. And quite frankly, the only reason why we had World War II, and this may be why we have World War III, is because we had an incompetent head of state that chose war. And that was Winston Churchill, by the way. If you go back and read Churchill's War or anything, you realize yeah. that the man was n not only a absolute drunk, and this is coming from someone who's says I, I enjoy alcohol i mean he was a bumbling drunk and broke part of the reason why he pushed and did what he did he was a fraud he sell sold counterfeit paintings i mean churchill is not the guy when you really dig into who he was he is not the way we portray him in modern u.s history he's not a great statement well come on now everybody thinks he is no i mean he was apparently so drunk at some point that the actor that did the voice of Winnie the Pooh on mm -hmm. for the BBC did some of his radio addresses. I thought that was the Chinese guy. Yeah, well, no. The Winnie the Pooh. Uh, I mean, literally, he... Anyway, and he... Churchill did lots of things. He knew that they were going to bomb an area because they had broken Enigma and chose not to evacuate the area as to not reveal... Mm -hmm. that they had broken enigma but well that's a trolley problem i mean that that comes up for most politicians at some point in their lives yeah i mean i think there are some other solutions around i mean that, 9 9 11 is a good example yeah well 9 11 wtc7 man it just yeah but even outside of wt7 i mean if you know that those buildings are going to get hit which they did then you have to make the decision to not evacuate them and not let people know. And the decision to plant demolition charges? Well, fair enough. But I don't even want to go that far into the... Because th there's a lot of people that automatically dismiss as soon as you start mentioning those. But ignoring well, I mean, those, but it, if they the didn't thing. exist, the fact is we do know for a fact that the Bush White House knew of the plan of that airplane's Hitting. Now, you can argue about whose plan yeah, was, they was found it a Saudi the Arabian plan? And, was know, it a U.S. plan? Was it They whatever. magically found the passports. But yeah. anyway, what it comes down to is I was a denier for a very long time. I didn't want to believe that our government could do something like that. And mm -hmm. then the NTSB report, uh, or not NTSB, the NIST report, rather. NIST came out yeah. while I was a student in college, and I started reading it. And I looked at the physics and the material science of it, and I went, 
this doesn't make sense. So yeah. I took it to a professor of mine and I said, and an, an excerpt, and I said, does this make sense to you? And he said, no, this is uh, completely wrong. And when I showed him what it was from, he went, oh, and was silent after that. It was one of those things that the temperatures that they are saying had to have been achieved are not physically possible from jet fuel. Mm -hmm. It's just not. The building was literally designed to take an airplane strike. No building has collapsed. No skyscraper. What about thermite? Before or since. Hot enough? Sure, sure. So you don't think thermite just spontaneously appeared out of a jet plane? Necessarily? No, I don't. Okay. For first of all, you the thermite is aluminum and Plenty iron aluminum. oxide. Totally possible. Could happen. Where's the iron oxide coming from? Building itself. So the building is rusting away internally? Yeah. And it Linear magically happens are. in the right proportions? No. Well, twice, not just once. <laughs> exactly. And by the way, no no skyscraper before or since has collapsed from fire. So there's that. And then you've got building seven, which is just so yeah. blatant. Anyway, regardless of that. Yes. You just completely derailed our topic and now people are going, Oh brother. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, world war two Churchill, not a great guy. Yeah. And when what happened, the reason why I'm bringing any of this up and looking at this is because when this started, I flat out said, that the West is set, and this goes to your theory about the Marshall Plan and everything else, mm -hmm. is that we are setting Hit Putin up to be the next Hitler. Yep. Because we have a region that was part of Russia, just like the hinterlands were part of Germany, mm -hmm. and that's been taken away, and we have a genocide going on. Yep, And that's something that people are ignoring, is that Poland, not Poland, Ukraine was attacking this area repeatedly. Yep. So it's, it works out, I think for the U S if you do the math, because as long as they can stay on this side of nuclear weapons use, so use, then all bets are off because it's a brand new world at that point, because nobody really knows where it goes, where it ends, long-term effects. I don't just mean medical effects. I mean all long-term effects of that. When we have had large volcanic explosions, Europe has gone dark. When we've had Chernobyl, which was just, what well, I think it was two reactors that went unstable, Europe damn near went dark. I mean, that, that place, if there are even tactical nukes used, can get beyond recovery, become beyond any kind of short-term recovery. So... Uh. I think that there's a lot of lip service being paid. So from the Russian side, and again, I don't have any information that nobody else does. It's just, I can read more than one language, but I don't think Russia is going to be the first to use nukes. That will be the U S really. Yep. I see no scenario where the U S goes first strike without a th threat to U S territory. Well, then we're so what you're saying shape. is nukes then aren't going to be used. We're not going to have nukes used then. You can because totally see Russia what, using artillery or something in that Well, that's the impression fashion. you're supposed to have. So what <laughs> Russia is absolutely going to start doing is to stop only focusing on military targets and also start focusing on infrastructure targets and command and control targets, which includes Kiev. 
So well, will Kiev start getting bombarded? I think about a 95% chance, yes. I, yeah, uh, I don't, I, yeah, I wouldn't even quibble over the 5%. I would say that they yeah, are going no, to get there, bombarded. There's always some percentage. Uh, so um, I think they're going to start of, using thermobaric weapons routinely yeah. because they have a lot of them. They're going to start doing things that the U.S. is going to be condemning nonstop over and over. And like, we really, we need to put a stop to this. The, these Russian actions are completely unacceptable, blah, 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 blah. With Putin's speech, I think that there's going to be somewhat of a grace period to allow Kiev to try and rein it in if they want to. But short of that, I think they're going full out. Yeah. And the... You said, well, I don't see the U.S. using weapons. Well, again, here's the thing. U.S. Need, needs deni the plausible deniability. So the U.S. isn't going to say, hey, we're going to start nuking Russia. But what the U.S. absolutely is likely to do, given that they already provided chemical agents and biological agents to Ukraine, is they're going to start providing nuclear material to Ukraine. All right, and now, what there chemical was an or biological agents have we provided to Ukraine? There's a shit ton of labs, dude, that the, the yeah, reports are that la Labs, okay. Fine. Yeah. Well, where do you think they came from? <laughs> they were literally built by U.S. contractors <laughs> and material being sent from Fort uh, in Maryland there, Detroit. Yeah. I mean, this is, again, this is like documented publicly. <laughs> this is not some secret operation. The, um, the true source of COVID-19. Well, COVID-19 very likely did also come out of Fort Detrick via China because that's where Fauci had his little play lab. The guy's dirty, man. I just, I can't oh, believe that he absolutely. isn't in prison yet. But anyway, getting back to the Russia thing is if Ukraine detonates a dirty bomb either on the new Russian territory or the old Russian territory, then yes, Russia will use nukes. So, but Ukraine has enough, but no nuclear material. So if they do it, it well, has they to do. come from some. They have power plants that have radiological material in them, including Chernobyl. That well, how many plants do they have that are under control of Ukraine right now? Because I thought Russia took control of all the plants. Chernobyl. But that's not still active. It doesn't matter. There's still radiological material there. Did it never get disposed of? Absolutely not. It's in the sarcophagus. Are you kidding me? The elephant's foot, all that. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So they're, they've got access to Chernobyl sarcophagus material. Uh, they, if, if Ukraine wanted to build a dirty bomb, they have access mm -hmm. to radiological material that could be used to do that. All and right. by the well, way, a dirty bomb. Do, there will be nukes used. Yeah, the and just for everybody's edification, because there may be some people who don't know what a dirty bomb is. They've just heard the term. Dirty bomb is basically taking a conventional explosive and wrapping it in radiological material to spread that radiological right. material. So, yep. Yeah. So it is essentially, it's not a nuke, but it is a bomb created to spread. A dirty bomb is meant to harm humans. Through yeah, contamination. And you could even detonate it in the, at a, what's the term I'm thinking of? At a uh, pretty high up so that air it burst. spreads with the wind and everything. Yeah, airburst yep. it. Exactly. So that it's not even going to harm a building, but it will make people that are in the path of that be completely contaminated. Yeah. 
It, definitely dirty bombs have been put out and theorized. One has never been used, but they've been talked about as a terrorist weapon. So, yeah. So that's one thing. Now, another thing we talked about, I vaguely recall last night, is the the Ukrainian application to NATO. Mm-hmm. Very interesting timing because does this trigger Article 5 automatically if we admit them? Yeah, and my thought was, well, first of all, I think you were thinking that it's not very likely that they're going to be admitted. No, I don't think there's any way they're admitted. Yeah, and I, my thought is I think there is a chance. I wouldn't give it a super high chance, but let's say a 20% chance that they are admitted because nothing... I mean, ultimately, the rules are created by the same countries that are in NATO, and they can change those rules at any time mm. and say, well, yeah, we're going to admit Ukraine, even though they are in the middle of a conflict. But it's a treaty. So for those rules to change, at least mm -hmm. from a U.S. standpoint, literally what would have to happen is there would have to be a amendment to the treaty mm -hmm. that would then have to be ratified by the Senate. That is not just a trivial process. It's not like NATO's governing Senate body could just change things. $66 billion to Ukraine willfully. You don't think they're going to sign a document like this? The U.S. Senate may, but I think, yeah. I, quite frankly, I think Turkey is going to save us from suicide here. I think there's no way in hell Erdogan, especially with his ties to Russia and the way Turkey has been Erdogan writing defense between both sides NATO against and, the middle. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't see him doing that. Well, but he was also pushing back and saying there's no way that Finland and Norway are going to get admitted. To and they the haven't been EU. yet. And then uh, the, after a few weeks of kind of back and forth, said, okay, well, we've had a conversation and now they are. Well, they haven't been yet, but, but Turkey dropped their opposition. They got what they wanted, whatever that was. I don't think Turkey's really dropped their opposition. I don't think the vote has been tallied yet, and I don't think that they are likely to end up in NATO. But we'll see. The EU and the Schengen zone is an entirely different thing. That's yeah, economic. I'm not NATO. No, it's, you're right. I said yeah. EU. I'm not NATO on that. Yeah. Now I will say this: I Erdogan is not someone I want to heap praise on. I think very poorly of the man. I told you last night about my friend. So, you know, that's a whole thing. Yeah. 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 So yeah, you had a so you had a college buddy that got killed by him. Well, one of my one of my best friends was Turkish guy. His dad and them came over from Turkey. He was very very political as far as he was involved with Turkey being the secular country that it was through the mm -hmm. 60s and up until recently. When the Gulenists and the Muslim Brotherhood started in his view and in my view tearing Turkey apart and making them into a radicalized country versus a, a secular one. They mm -hmm. were bringing two different versions of Islamic jihadism to Turkey and radicalizing Turkey, which is the Gulenists and the Muslim Brotherhood are very much opposed. Erdogan is Muslim Brotherhood. Fatala Guland, obviously, other side of that. Mm. Anyway, they moved back to Turkey. And my friend, Bora, who is sadly passed now, was part of protests. They were trying to fight. His parents were very involved. And then all of a sudden at 30, he dies of a heart attack in his bed. 
and it takes over six months to get the autopsy results back. Anyway, needless to say, I don't think my friend had a heart attack and died. Yeah, so I guess your point is just the, that that is running that kind of government can't be the only thing that World yeah. War Three from happening. Sadly enough, and I think that the reason why he will not vote for NATO's expansion into Ukraine is because exactly what you said. He likes to play both sides. It's interesting because Turkey is a country that is a member of NATO yet uses some Russian weapons, which is mm-hmm. actually in defiance of the NATO treaty. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. A couple other interesting things out of Putin's speech that I thought was interesting is he talked about the transgender movement in the U.S. and what we're doing mm-hmm. to our kids and called us Satanists. And I'm sitting yeah. there thinking, he's not wrong. Yeah, I guess if you're of the religious variety, that's an interesting question is, would you take it to that extent? I've mentioned before that Russia seems to be, statistically anyway, more of a Christian country than the U.S. is in terms of a population that believes and goes to church on a regular basis. So I, I'm not horribly surprised that Putin would say this, but how does that, like, what's your reaction as a Christian type American? Well, I think we've taken our secularism to an nth degree. And I really like, I forget who put it this way, but you wouldn't affirm a bulimic or an anorexic, right? You would say, hey, you've got something mentally wrong with you and you need help. And for some of the gender dysphorics, transitioning may be somewhat beneficial at some point in time. But to do what we're doing to children and allowing this to happen to children yeah especially is insanity huh yeah just exactly his mom refuses to get a boob job i mean look at what he had to go through exactly the streaming wars of south park is just hilarious by the way i was watching yeah i liked night. how they come up with the big streaming service of pp plus which they're mm-hmm. running on paramount plus <laughs> right i mean they're literally just talking Mocking about it, this yes. bullshit and there a whole episode, I mean, there's a lot of topics covered. Sorry to change the focus here, but I no, just watched good. it. But they're talking about how there's too many streaming services and most of them are going to die off. And then clearly the kids got into trouble because they're putting their products on too many streaming services and giving everybody an exclusive deal. Mm-hmm. And they're not supposed to. And it's literally what South Park did. They had an yep. exclusive deal with HBO. And then they did an exclusive deal. With Viacom, which is MTV, or used to be. And now they've got two exclusive deals. So they can't show any of their old stuff on Viacom, but they don't show any of their new stuff on HBO. It's just like, it's confusing. And their own website is owned by HBO. So none of these new things are available anywhere online outside of the new network that they've got a five-year deal with, which is Viacom. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. So they literally, they just made it. And it's not even the freaking episode and you have to buy it. Like there are only two options of watching the new South Park, which used to be free is, and on Hulu is either you have to buy each episode for 10 bucks a pop, which is a crazy price they've set. They're selling part one for 10 bucks and part two for 10 bucks. Or you have to join the, the, what you would call it plus. What did I just call it? Paramount uh, plus. Paramount plus. Yeah. That's your other option. And then you can watch them for free. 
Well, and to be honest, though, you should do Paramount Plus. That's just a for horrible Lower Decks network. Alone. I hate giving money to those guys. Ha- have you They're watched Lower evil, Decks? Man. Have Watch you watched what? Lower Decks? Lower Decks. No, but I saw it's on there, and you rave about this kid's show, so I'll watch it. It's not a kid's show. It's actually okay. good Trek. It really mm-hmm. is. They were making fun of Deep Space Nine this last They stole episode. my idea. That was originally my idea back, like, 20 years ago. What was your idea? Do you have a Star Trek that isn't about the captain and the upper echelon crew? It's to have a Star Trek where all the storylines revolve around people that are actually in low-level positions. Yep. Well, Voyager did an episode about lower deck characters, and I think TNG Mm -hmm. did as well. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. There there were definitely some episodes in there. There were. I mean, they would bring on some characters that would eventually disappear. And I feel like Orville's got more of that. Mm-hmm. Like they've taken minor characters or not officer class characters and incorporated them more into the show, but it's not, I don't know. Well, we'll see. I'll watch lower decks. That's fine. Yeah. I'll check it out. What else were we talking about? What did I interrupt you? I interrupted you when you were talking about, you were on a rant about something. Ah, it's all good, man. I don't even remember at this point. That was literally five minutes ago. <laughs> How bad is your memory? You're well, currently recording. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just good. My short-term memory loss isn't that complete yet. I'm not Joe Biden level yet, okay? No. CSB has been going off about your Russian heathen friend lied. There are no nukes in Poland. Well, didn't, literally publicly available information. Uh-huh. We'll, have a, we'll have a footnote here with the episode when I publish it, showing exactly <laughs> where those nukes are. Yeah, and again, I think some people just are... And CSB is a good example of it. They're just Russophobes. Like, it's not an issue of communism. It's not an issue of anything else. It's a, they just have a thing for Russians. And well, so, and somewhat rightfully so. I mean, the Soviet Union was rightfully so. pretty Fuck fucking nasty for a long time. Dave. Well, not... Okay, look, I know what you're, you're saying, and I know what you mean, but what practical aspect... Can anyone name that led to a negative experience for that person personally from the Soviet Union? Now, if you lived in Russia, okay, there's a lot of bad shit happening. I'll even give you Poland because that was part of the Eastern Bloc. So anybody Germany. living in the Eastern Bloc, there was that. Yeah, anybody leave, living on the Eastern, but for an American or a Brit or anybody in France. Like, what the hell exactly was bad for you as a result of the Soviet Union? That's what I'd like to know. I think it's just people associating. I think there's a, there's this tendency to disbelieve that the Soviet Union actually broke up. Mm -hmm. So people think, oh, Putin, great example. He was KGB. He's got to mm. be bad. He's got to be KGB. I, I don't think he's a good guy. Yeah, Bush I, was CIA. So what difference does that make? Well, George Bush is a horrible human being, and I'm glad the wizard's dead. But hey. Like, seriously, I, when George Bush Sr. died, I was like, yay, yeah. finally. Yeah. But uh, anyway, anyone who thinks highly of the Bushes, read Bush Family of Secrets and mm-hmm. go from there. They... Literally a family that tried to overthrow the U.S. government. So, yeah, not great people. 
So not a good example there, Gene. But Putin's no, but, a, uh, but, okay. he's a nationalist. He is a patriot. And I don't like him. Yeah. I don't think much of him. I, But he is a Russian patriot. Yeah, I think he is. He has certainly made plenty of money over the years, undeniably so. So has pretty much all of Congress and Senate. Nancy but, Pelosi. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi made a shit ton and still continues to. That's the best part is like she continues to profit off the stock market insider information because she can. Yeah, beats out uh, Warren Buffett on her trade deals. But I will say that in in terms of Putin being a Russian patriot, I think that's always been true. I think it's the reason that he ended up in the KGB is it was he wasn't going to the KGB because he was going to make more money. He was going to work for the KGB because he liked his motherland. And I think it's the same thing that led to him working for Yeltsin in the early days. And the same thing that led to him becoming the president of Russia is that he wants to guide along Russia and uh, he had during its weakest time, which is right after the breakup of the Soviet mm -hmm. Union. And his, I think this is where the, there's some disconnect comes is that he has said that he has no interest in trying to recreate the Soviet Union. He's talked about many faults of the Soviet Union, but also he says that this, when the Soviet Union broke up, the mistake that was made by the then People in control by the, yeah. the, who I'm sure it wasn't one dude. It was a, probably a committee that was handling like how we're going to do the breakup. The mistake that was made was that they took what was a country and split it into its composite states based on really what are state borders. And he has a very good point about that because, for example, Eastern Europe, which was under the behind Iron Curtain, it was under the full influence, full control, if you like, of the Soviet Union. But countries like Poland, like Yugoslavia, like Hungary, they all should have and did have their full independence and could do whatever they want after the breakup of the Soviet Union. But the country of Russia predates the Soviet Union. The Russian Empire, the monarchy of Russia, held a much greater territory than what is today Russia. And so his point is, it wasn't the Soviet Union, it wasn't theirs to split like that into regions. What they should have done is just the Communist Party should have resigned. And they should have had new elections, elected new government, and the size of Russia should have stayed what it was pre-Soviet Union. I, 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 that's, I don't see it that way. So I, well, that's what the I, way he's, I'm, I'm describing oh, okay. what well, she said, not what I think. And, and what he said during this last speech is that the fall of the Soviet Union was a bad thing, which I disagree with. I he get totally his lament. did not say that is a mischaracterization. That is not in his speech. He lamented the fall of the Soviet Union. Nope, not at all. That's a mistranslation. Okay, well, the translation I was reading from, that's certainly well, the impression I got. don't trust translations that are inaccurate. Because he did not I, say it. I, I asked you for a translation of the full speech. Yeah, I, and I provided it. 
I anyway, linked to an article and had it. The, no, yeah, the, and that's the, the that, that's I read the about problem, three different transcripts, and there this are differences. Is translated incorrectly for a specific political effect. So when he says cool. that the Soviet Union, in fact, I think he even mentions the fact that the Soviet Union clearly needed to go away, to collapse, to change. It wasn't working. Like, it was starving its people, right? But when that happened, that the mistake that was made was not in the collapse of the Soviet Union. The mistake that was made was in the breakup of a country that was one single country into composite states. Yeah, and if those composite states wanted to stay in one country, they would have. So the fact of the matter is they didn't want to, and that's why they didn't. So I don't think that breaking up and staying in a federation that had abused its people across multiple regions and so on. But here's the problem, uh, dude. Was here's the, going to the practical problem. So emotionally, you're absolutely right. So a, a lot of people felt like they got fucked over during the Soviet Union days, right? So Man, there was a did. lot of animosity towards Moscow and Moscow being the capital of the Soviet Union. But here's the problem with that type of breakup is you have the same kind of a dispersion of regions there that you do in the U.S. So I'm going to use the U.S. as an example. So you have the Midwest that grows a lot of corn, a lot of grain. It's really the food belt of the United States. You have the South where you grow totally different crops and you have oil and you have the Northeast, which grows nothing, but consumes a lot of things. If you split off the United States into, I think it was five or six regions that Russia got split into or after USSR, that what was Russia became the USSR. And then when the USSR split, that split into smaller states is that each of these relied on the others and doesn't have the resources to survive on its own. And that was very evident here as well. Yeah. The problem is when you have like the Holodomor and so on, it's just, I don't know. I just don't see a way for that to stay together. I, I get what you're saying. The, the whole, and, and by the way, the whole divorce, partners, since you but... brought it up, is also a great little propagandistic term because <laughs> so... what happened was, and it, look, this is not a good thing. This was Stalin, right? But what happened was when Stalin was in power, they needed more hard currency. The only real export that the USSR had in the, in the 50s was grain. And so what they did is they started exporting for a number of years, exporting way more grain than they should have and not leaving not enough to feed the population. So that was not exclusive to Ukraine, to that region at all. The entirety of the Soviet Union experienced hardships with food. The reason that Ukraine kind of claims Haldemore is because that's where most of the grain grew. That'd be, if the U.S. started exporting all the grain and not leaving enough grain for people to eat, the states that mostly produce grain, which would be the Midwest, 
they're the ones that are seeing all this grain growing and then going away and nothing in the grocery stores. So they feel as like, wow, we're really getting fucked. Well, everybody else's too. It's not like anybody else's grocery stores have grain and yours don't. It's just that you grow the stuff. And so that's why it's like this big thing. It's like, oh, no, they were starving the Ukrainians. No, they were starving everybody in the Soviet Union. They were just growing the grain in Ukraine. Yeah, don't know enough to challenge you on that. All I can say is that central planning doesn't work. Communism doesn't work. No, it does not. No. Yet we seem to be headed there every fucking day. Yeah, which is very sad. I know I've sent you a few articles here between our shows of like people getting mail saying they have to register their gardens. Yep. Because the government needs to know what you're doing it, it, control <laughs> what you're allowed it, to do. If you register your garden, I pity you. I mean, who the... Even if uh, uh, there have, at what point do we see people go, okay, enough of this and stand mm -hmm. up? And I'm afraid, I'm deathly afraid that we're not going to, we are going to just keep marching down this road. People are not ever going to stand up. People are mm -hmm. not ever going to say, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. And we're, we're going to get to the point where we do have communism in this country and you can the old saying you can vote your way to communism but you have to fight your way out so i don't know no that's very true but that's the thing is i think if we take the example let's say somebody wrote a fictional book right so about the next 50 years of the u.s and the u.s keeps going the way and let's ignore the whole ukraine situation for now so that we take away the risk of nuclear mm -hmm. war but in that yeah Kurt, years, Kurt Vonnegut beat us to it well, let's let I don't know that he beat us to the same conclusions. So <laughs> in the next 50 years, the U.S. continues to get a lot more communists and states like California and Massachusetts actually have majority communist legislatures in them. That's the new party that that has come out in power, that they've shed their pretense of being Democrats and they've genuinely come out like Bernie Sanders and just said they're actually communists. And this continues. I don't know what you're doing, but there's a lot of mic noise. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's not good. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. And see, this proves I'm Mexico. That's why there's mic noise. Otherwise, mm -hmm. everything would be mm -hmm. just fine. Anyway, anyway so there, they would be, those states would become more communist. Some states, let's take Texas as an example, would try to resist that. But it, everybody's still a part of the U.S. and the U.S. overall is becoming more and more communist. And then there are things that happen in the U.S. like a crop failures in the Midwest because of the green agendas that the communists have adopted is saying that, that we're planting way too many consumable crops. We need to plant trees for every crop that we plant and we end up running out of food. Uh, country goes through some tough times. And in the end, finally, there's a civil war or at least the most peaceful version of a civil war where different regions agree to no longer be bound by the American contract, right? Unlike mm -hmm. the Civil War the, in the 1800s in the U.S., the Civil War in the 2000s is something that happens without major bloodshed, maybe just some short skirmishes, because the regions just say, look, it's a bit, this is not going to work where we need to part ways. So when that happens, 
these regions break off from each other. We have the West Coast, which is Oregon, California, Washington State. We have the Southwest, including Texas. We have the Southeast. We have the Northeast. We have the Midwest. Now, each of these regions has different production, different supplies, and different consume, consumption needs. Either they start figuring out how to live together and work together, even though they just split off from each other, or they're going to become a lot more insignificant and have to depend on overseas foreign powers for aid. Yeah, but that's never going to happen. The next civil war. It wasn't ever going to happen in the Soviet Union either, but it did. This is a very different scenario. The next civil war in the United States will actually be a real civil war. So the conflict that erupted the conflict that erupted in the 1860s was a war between was really a revolution the south said hey we're going to go be our own country now and the north said no you're not it was the the south was not trying to take over the government of the united states they were trying to just leave the united states what you're going to have in the next civil war is you're not going to have regions breaking apart because we're too interbred if you will there are conservatives living in all 50 states and there are liberals living in all 50 states and the political ideology there is no mason dixon line today but what was what was it the comedian said the mason dixon line goes through grandma's bedroom Mm -hmm. right and yeah actually correct (laughs) correct good sir yes this will be a true civil war what americans think of as the civil war wasn't what happened in spain wasn't what happened around the world we have never seen a true civil war in this country and when it comes it's not going to be good okay well it doesn't really change my premise of my book though but my point being simply that different regions have different productivity and different consumption needs and Uh that when they're all a part of one country, it makes it easier to be able to fulfill all those needs from all of those products. When they're split, then you have to get into a lot more, a spider web of relationships, but it's still possible. But Mm -hmm. immediately after they split, when emotions are running high, there's a strong desire to not work with the people that you just physically split from, even though you're literally across the border from them. And I think this is what happened with Ukraine as well, along with a couple other territories where they, they logically, rationally, there's every reason to have close working relationships, even if you have a separate government, that's fine. Because you're producing things that your neighbor needs, the neighbor's producing things that you need, you can do Mm -hmm. trade. But the emotions creep in and say, well, we feel abused by our neighbor and therefore fuck them. We're not going to do any trade with them. And this is the danger of letting emotions govern politics. Well, yeah, um, emotions shouldn't govern politics. You should actually be rational, but, you know, that's hard for people to do. And the fact of the matter is people are irrational all the time. This is not something new. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's the case. But I just think that this is, I'm just trying to make a distinction of people that have a russophobia, 
for whatever reason, which is just a, an emotional disdain for Russia and well, Russian versus again, people that are looking at set themselves up for Yeah. They, I mean, this is, there's no, nobody arguing that the communists were the good guys here. There were definitely the bad guys. But I think the distinction, if you don't make the distinction between an ethnic group of people like Russian and communists, communist Russia, the Soviet Union, where those people lived when it was governed by communists, I then completely you're doing the agree. Exact and there is a conflict. There is a conflict. Let me finish this. Okay. Then, then you're doing the same thing that Hitler did with Jews, which is not ah. distinguishing German Jews from. Jews that are ethnic Jews, there's a difference in people beyond their ethnicity. And I think this is the mistake that's happening right now. It's for a lot of people. And it's unfortunate. I don't like to see it in any direction. I don't like anybody just being simply thought of as representative of the place that they were born. Yeah, I mean, again, and I've said this, I don't know how many times I'll say it again, the right level of analysis is always the individual. Yep. CSB exactly. sits there and says, you're a Russian heathen. Well, you are a heathen, and you are Russian, so yeah. he's not wrong, but it doesn't make you Technically correct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> anyway, the right level of analysis is always the individual, and that's what you have to focus on, at least in my opinion. But it is hard for people to disambiguate Russia and the USSR. It has been very long in our memories that those two things were one. And it's it takes a lot. I mean, even when I was growing up, I mean, when the Soviet Union fell, I was just a kid. Yeah. But it's something in my memory. So, yeah, it's a thing. It's um, almost 30 years. So yeah. I don't know, maybe it'll take a hundred years, but uh, it, it, I'll tell you what, it sure seems like people weren't equating Germans with Nazis a lot faster. I disagree with that. I think. You think uh, in the 1970s, people were looking at Germany and the products that they manufacture and going, yeah, a bunch of Nazis live there. Not necessarily, but what I can also say is that during that time period, uh, Germany was occupied. The I think the big difference is that. Germany lost, was occupied, and I mean, it's it's like the Japanese. We don't think of the Japanese as the empire, but that's because they were under occupation for a long time. So I, I think that's well, the according difference. According to Putin, both Germany and Japan still are occupied. I, in, in what way is Japan occupied? Well, a lack of self-determination, a lack of real military of its own, and the mm -hmm. permanent U.S. bases. Okay, yeah, like I can get that argument, but the point is Russia and the USSR just gave up, and there's this thought process, it's a head fake, I think is the way a lot of people approach it, that, oh, they really didn't, they're really not communist, they're really not communist anymore, they're still, they're still communist, they're still this, they're still that, yeah. Yeah, either that or people just didn't really understand what communism worked. And they just assumed that communists meant you were Russian. <laughs> but it, it's, it is weird, man. Because well, I think there's plenty of things that people can talk negatively about the Russian government on. But clinging on to this idea of the 
they're just rebuilding the Soviet Union is retarded. It just shows a complete lack of understanding of the history of the world. Well, it's just not going to happen. But what I would say is that, and I think I've said this multiple times on this show, is that I really think Russia and the U.S. are two ships passing in the night in a lot of ways. I think that the U.S. is going way, way more communistic than I would have ever thought. And I think Russia is going the opposite direction. I think that they are moving towards more freedoms. I don't think the Russian state is a good state. It's not a free enough country where I'm expatriating to by any stretch of the imagination. But if I'm looking at trend lines, it's to me going in a better direction than we are. And that's Mm -hmm. very scary and sad. Yeah. Well, I think one of the problems right now with Russia that I really don't like, and I've talked about this and those in the social account as well, is that I think they ought to be embracing full-on freedom-loving capitalism mm-hmm. and while they're doing what they're doing. And an example of that is not making protests against this war illegal. Like, I thought that was a mistake. I had said it on day one. I think this is going to bite them in the ass, is that you have to sell the benefits of the war on its face. You can't simply say nobody is allowed to protest against it because that does make you seem more like what the West is trying to portray you as, which is a dictatorship. Yeah. Uh, so that's a bad move on their parts. And it, Putin doesn't just make laws by executive order, unlike some people think. So <laughs> a lot of this is actually coming out of the Duma. And uh, he is, as I've said plenty of times, He is fairly moderate when it comes to Russian politics. There are a lot of people in Russia that want to go a lot further and a lot faster towards regaining the Russian empire territories. A lot of people that would love nothing better than things completely illegal that they dislike religiously. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I think you pointed out a few times is that there is, since the fall of the Soviet Union and since religion, religious freedoms have come back a bit in Russia, you do have a huge resurgence in the Russian Orthodox Church that was totally suppressed under communism. And and it was a shock to me. I did not expect that many people to all of a sudden just get religion. Why is that? I mean, it was driven underground by communism, but I think it was always there. I don't think it ever went. They weren't practicing. They weren't doing shit. It was always one of those things that... Well, I mean, quite frankly, I think that the resurgence shows that they were. No, no, I don't think so. I think the resurgence shows that people are very open to it, and it's a new thing for the vast majority of Russians. Well, it was a new thing 30 years ago, no, no longer a new thing. And that a lot of people liked what they started experiencing. It was the first Mm. time for a lot of people of going to church. It was the first time for a lot of people of having to even think about this topic. And I think an awful lot of them enjoyed it, started seeing benefits from it, whatever. They saw it as a positive thing. I don't think it was ever like, oh, there was millions of churches that were underground in Russia. No, that didn't exist, dude. Well, then that's even, I mean, I would say in the U.S. we are going through what I would call a new great awakening, but it sounds like Russia beat us to it on that, and that's nothing but good news to me. 
So yeah, and it it's I don't know that it's necessarily good news to me, but it is interesting. It's been interesting to observe, and it means that the and I've talked about this before as well is that my realization later in life has been that for an awful lot of people, majority of the people out there, religion serves a useful purpose, and that is not something that I would have said. 15, 20 years ago. Well, I mean, you have to have faith in something. Do you? Yeah. You I don't do. know, man. I don't know. Okay. You could be a nihilist. Well, but nihil that that's the great danger, right? I don't think nihilists see that as a danger. Well, that's because they don't see anything as a positive either. No. Anyway, yeah, nihilism is definitely something to be avoided because that's when you become dangerous to not only yourself, but the rest of mankind. So. I Yeah, I thought the nihilists and the big Lebowski were very well portrayed. <laughs> I've got new information. Oh, man, that movie. Uh, that was such a great movie. This perfect movie in so many ways. And that was, I think they said the their 20th abides. anniversary. I'm sorry. Maybe it was, it was, they just had either the 20th or 25th anniversary. I can't remember mm. of that movie. Yeah. I just want my rug back. Uh. Sell the room together. <laughs> exactly. So what else is going on? I'm trying to remember. Well, I think I mentioned I bought a new gun. Uh, you did. It came out in 1998, by the way. 98. So that, what does that make it? 25 24. years? Yeah. 24? I thought it was 25. Okay. Not quite yet. Yeah, I guess. I guess not quite there. Soon enough. I must have watched something that was the 20th anniversary that I just didn't see it for the last few years. Because <laughs> it was like a behind the scenes thing for it. Yeah, so I, I finally got that 6.5 Grendel that I was kind of thinking of getting, so I ended up getting it. Yeah, what'd you think so far? It's Well, I haven't shot it yet, but it's probably the most normal gun i've bought recently nothing, nothing folds nothing flips nothing moves it's a regular ar there's <laughs> nothing fancy so disappointing gene oh well, i know all my other guns are transformers this one is not at all so i'm looking forward to taking out the range do some shooting out i gotta buy some of that buck around ammo first though jesus uh, oh incidentally yeah. did you know that you the i just saw in one of the mailings i get that pmc ammo was selling for uh, I want to say it was 32 cents around 31 or 32 cents around right now at a, for th- what caliber nine millimeter, sorry, nine yeah. millimeter PMC thousand rounds for right around 32 cents around, huh. which is, and I did the math. I was curious. So I looked it up almost exactly equivalent. Once you take inflation into account <laughs> to what I was paying for it in the early two thousands. Which so, was 20 cents around. So interestingly enough, I've been looking at inflation and just looking at reported numbers, not even, but. Status stats. Yep. Yeah. But just based off of reported numbers, because I was thinking about growing up and what my parents were making mm-hmm. in the 80s and what that yep. would be equivalent to now. And it's, it's interesting. So if you, I was born in 86. So mm-hmm. if you take a hundred grand in 1986, so, so the family making a hundred grand. In 1986, yep. what do you think that's equivalent to? So that is equivalent to two hundred and eighty-six thousand dollars. 
286. Did you just put it into a calculator or are you guessing? No, no, I just know these numbers off the top of my head. Yeah, it's not quite. It's 252. But uh, still, so $100,000 income in 1986 is equivalent mm-hmm. to $250,000 income today. I think it's a little more than that. It, uh, it depends which site you use. Okay, well, regardless. But either the, way, it's right around there. It's a um, huge devaluation of the dollar. Oh, it that, is huge. That's an inflation is, yeah. rate of 152%. Anyway. Yeah, there's uh, they in the last, what did I look at? The last 15 years, it's it's about 60%, which is really huge. So if you made 100 grand 15 years ago, you would need to be making... Over 150 grand today, no, 160, over 160 grand today to buy, to have the same buying power. Yep. Which is pretty bad. I mean, that's given that the government basically has been reporting forever that we have no inflation, it's right around one or 2%. And that for the, that for the last 20 years, bank accounts have paid less than 1% interest on their checking and savings. Yeah, um, all I can say is if anyone has a variable rate loan right now, you really better get that consolidated down. Yeah, that's a good point. But I mean, in the 1980s, when my parents bought a house, they were paying 20% interest rate. We're, we're going to do one of two things. We're either going to head back towards that yeah. and stabilize our rapidly inflating currency we might have an out with a new rebuilding of europe but we'll see or the fed's gonna back off and not get this under control and it's gonna go really bad really quick Uh i mean we could end up with hyperinflation overnight when you go back and look at what happened in the weimar republic it wasn't something that came on slowly it's something that came on overnight yeah no, and you pointed out last night that you know China's selling their dollars. They are, yeah. That was something that I actually heard of in Mexico here, where I'm at. Does China have right or left hand drive? I wouldn't know. <laughs> okay. Anyway, go on. Anyway, so the China right now doing a, a buyback of yuan by selling dollars is reinforcing the Chinese currency while destabilizing the U.S. currency. And no one's talking about it in the media because everyone's so focused on Ukraine. Well, and this goes back to China being a potential bad actor as far as the pipeline is concerned. It's definitely in their interest to destabilize the U.S. Now, I will say that out of all Western currencies, the dollar is the strongest, but that's because we're the we're going we will be the last one to fall as it goes. But yeah, the pound sterling and the in the euro are not doing too great right now. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely in the wrong direction. But I saw a lot of other currencies. Like I saw this morning that the, the New Zealand dollar was mm-hmm. down to I think fifty eight American cents. The dollar uh, do. Yeah, yeah, and I mean they've always been under one U.S. dollar, but I don't recall them ever being close to half a U.S. dollar in the past. Yeah, and now you have, <laughs> I mean, you have the pound all, almost parity with the almost dollar. Almost parallel. Yeah. 
So, yeah, it's it's definitely happening. Yeah, no two ways about happening. it. So I don't know. I mean, I, again, I think it's the same messaging that we've had for people in the past. Just try to be more self sufficient. Have chickens, kind of like Tim Pool. That's always well, a winning solution. I, here's the thing. And this is what I, when I had a conversation with some people who are not very political and not paying attention, I just said, go to the grocery store, get a little extra food. Worst case scenario, eat it over the next few months. Here's the thing. Anyone who's paying attention is going to be better off than those who are not. And the sad fact is the majority of people are not paying attention. We are closer to nuclear war right now than we were during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yep. And the big difference is during the Cuban Missile Crisis, every American knew it. Every American was paying attention. Every American was doing something and preparing for it. Mm -hmm. Now, no one is. Yeah. And we're, I don't know, man. I think most people don't really think that if all we do is just send some money to Ukraine, how that could possibly result in nuclear war. Yeah, well... (laughs) When that money is in the form of weapons mm-hmm. and dead Russians, I mean, yeah, that's how. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's hard to say. It's interesting times. That's the Chinese proverb, right? We're living in interesting times. Well, it's the Chinese curse. Well, right? Fair you live in it's interesting times. Yeah. They they've definitely applied that. Yeah. Well, Gene, so, anything else? Well, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't like, is there anything else going on? We spent most of the episode just talking about Ukraine stuff. And I'm sure there are people that are getting kind of tired of us because they're getting well, hit from every direction. Now. Yeah. I mean. Anything good happening? Anything in- interesting? I've been enjoying sitting by the pool and relaxing. Just um good time. Uh-huh. In Mexico. Uh-huh. Sure you are. Well, I think that there haven't been a lot of great things going on, but I think there's definitely some funny things with Biden and some gaffes there. Kamala's gaffe at the demilitarized zone was oh, North, especially North hilarious. That was funny. She didn't even notice it. No, she's she just kept on totally going. oblivious. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't say, oops, I meant South. Yeah. So anyway. But even funnier. So there was a, a map that I stuck up on Nogen's social like that has kind of an image of the countries that have nuclear weapons. And on that map, they, they have North Korea with whatever they are estimate of their nuclear capability is, but the place that's actually highlighted on the map is South Korea. Uh, and somebody pointed this out. I was like, Hey, this map has this backwards. And then somebody else, not me chimed in and says, Hey man, didn't you hear Pamela Anderson reversed those two. Like, that's not where they are now. The names are changed. North Korea is in the South and South Korea is in the North. Get you set. This is our fun administration that we're living with. Yeah. The administration is... I mean, there's just no... It's clown world. There there is no excusing it. And the press secretary whatever her name is just so absurd the oh, yeah. gaff the, the gaff that, Van Damme. Yeah, the gaff that biden had the other day about uh, the dead congresswoman and yeah. all she sits there and says well she was top of mind yeah. not she was on the top of his mind i mean just incomplete yeah. sentences ludicrous thoughts not just saying you know what he's tired he had a bad schedule and he forgot well I mean, they just can't that admit simple admission that why not something. why can't they admit that 
Because they don't think that if they, or rather they think if they don't admit it, then people can't say that there's something wrong with the president. Well, I mean, it, it, but to deny she'd it, rather, it makes it she'd rather even worse. Pretend that it's just a quirky speech pattern than to say, "Oh yeah, he forgot." Mm. I just, I think, for a lot of these people, the idea of saying anything negative about Biden is admitting that we have a lame president in office. We have somebody that is more lame than even Roosevelt. Yeah, I see what you did there, Chief. I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) For those who don't get it, Roosevelt couldn't walk and being lame. Anyway, lame like a horse. I I don't know. I mean, I think that they're making it worse by not admitting it, though. I really do. I mean, I look at it and go, okay, so basically what you're telling me is he's senile and you don't want to say that, Mm -hmm. right? Because... People can misspeak. People can forget things. People can whatever. But it's just obvious yeah, you can degradation. Cover for it or continue. you can lean into it. And they are leaning in hard, man. When, no, I think they're leaning out. <laughs> I don't think they're leaning in. Leaning in would be saying, yes, yes, he made a mistake. The guy's 84 years old. What do you expect? He's working hard on this Ukraine stuff. He's up all night thinking about it. You what I'm saying is they're doubling down on that he's okay. And yeah, they're doubling clearly down on he's okay. <laughs> exactly. And, like, and here's the thing is I don't understand. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see. Uh, but I don't understand that. I mean, what point is the 25th Amendment actually going to be on the table and Kamala becoming president? Yeah, I don't know, man. I think maybe the actual powers in charge are thinking that she's too stupid to be put into that role. And I know that Hillary's definitely been campaigning on that side of the argument. It's like, you can't possibly even contemplate having her be the president because Hillary still wants to be the first female. Well, she could be the first female elected. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, I don't think that... And that uh, requires more work. Yeah, I don't think that there's any chance of Clinton getting in, but it's... I don't I either, but I didn't think Biden would either. I mean, right now, given the state of everything, on the one hand, no, no country ever changes its president in the middle of a war. So they may be trying to go along those routes and get into a, a conflict so that ensures Biden gets reelected. On the other hand, the war that they're seemingly trying to get into doesn't really have a winner. Yeah, I see zero chance of Biden being reelected. There's just, even during a wartime, I don't see him hanging on to office just because of the economy. I mean, when you have Cardi B coming out and bashing Biden on the economy, there's just no way he survives this. Who's she? A really degenerate rapper. rapper. Okay. Um, I use the word degenerate there purposefully. I can't stand this person but yeah what does she do the one that it, played the flute <laughs> no different one but anyway no. it, it's regardless she's some women see her as empowering i see her as nothing but absolutely what is wrong with the modern feminist movement in so many ways but that's neither here nor there well i thought you just said she criticized biden she did so what's wrong with that 
I, that's my point, is that she is even criticizing Biden. I do not think very highly oh. of her, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, you're, you're not seeing highly of Ergodon either, but it seemed like I, I can still right recognize side. when someone's doing something right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, something like that. Yeah, something like that. So, I don't know. And we talked about the book, so I'll be going through and kind of posting my thoughts as I'm reading the company. You're going to talk about the other book next time, which you probably will have either finished or gotten through a good chunk of. I don't know if I'll finish it, but I'll at least get it. You're like a zippy more fast started. reader. I, you keep saying these things. It's like you being in Mexico. It's just simply not true. It takes me. Oh, man. The only time I was reading fast was during COVID when I had COVID. Because then I, I could get through a book in like two days. Mm -hmm. Generally, I if I'm reading a book, it's going to take me weeks. Yeah, I mean, it just it I only do like depends on how much time I'm going to devote to yeah. it, and that's, it's that's it, whether or not it's out. a good book or not. That's a huge. If it's not a good book, it yeah. takes me way longer to read it. Whether it sucks you in, yeah. No, I get that. Very much the same way. All right. Well. I don't know, man. I think that's probably good enough. We talked for quite a while. If we missed any topics, we're going to edit it together because of some technical difficulties. It'll be seamless. So this we'll have uh -huh. to get edited out. So no one will notice <laughs> that's been edited. But thank you for mentioning that. So I'm giving me more work. But yeah, it's just because we talked about this stuff like for the third time now. I keep thinking there's something missing that we previously discussed that I can't remember. I'm sure there is. And I'm sure the first time we talked about it was probably the most brilliant and we screwed up. But yeah, never whatever. let's never talk without a microphone. <laughs> oh well, we rarely we've talked oh, we don't, twice that was kind of a joke. A twice in how many years? Yeah. A handful. Mm -hmm. Oh, did uh, you see Adam on Alex Jones? I watched the entire thing. That was great. I'm glad to see him going on there and doing that. I know he did it a while back, got mm -hmm. some threats, backed off on it. It's good to see him going back. It looks like Alex is starting a new site that's not going to be controlled by the bankruptcy court for his funding. So everyone oh, needs good. to be looking at that. So 50%off.com. What's it called? 50%off.com. That's a great name. 50% off that count. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll recover just fine. He's got plenty of people that like him. Well, I mean, he's essentially today saying InfoWars is going to become a zombie yep. run by the bankruptcy court, and yep. there's not much he can do about that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. and But he's selling all his old products and everything on the other one. So, yeah. And hey. Yeah, and I, I, from my understanding, the products are decent, right? He's got a lot of good stuff. I, at least I hi, historically have used some of his supplements and so on. Oh, the libido ones, pretty good. got it. Yeah, actually, the Super Vitality, not for libido, but just energy. And then the one I really like is the Real Red Pill. That's phenomenal. So 100%. It's a pregnolone supplement, so I... Do lots of hormone precursor supplementation is what I like. So I've been so taking iodine from for years. Or what? No, pregnolone is so your thyroid uses two main ingredients to make pretty much every hormone in your body. That's iodine and pregnolone. 
So mm. by doing that, you promote natural, healthy hormone balance. So it's a cholesterol. And, I'm sorry? Is It's a cholesterol. Then. No, it's what the thyroid uses to take cholesterol and make into different hormones. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Got it. So it's a precursor. Yeah. And I, so those are my main two supplements and then uh, vitamin D and mm. it's great. And he sells vitamin D as well? He does. I don't use oh, his good. vitamin D. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got some of the stuff years ago and I don't recall either good or bad. I His toothpaste is good. <laughs> toothpaste is good. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's got a couple different toothpastes out there that are yeah. actually what I use daily just because I don't like a fluoride toothpaste, but that's me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I don't know. I should reach out to those people. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I used to run a supplement company. I mean, yeah, but okay, you're going to reach out to them and do what? Talk about helping them. Okay. He needs help, right? Next gig, working for InfoWars. Well, it's not hireable after that. Wouldn't be InfoWars, would it? It'd be 50%off.com. Yeah. Where do you work? Goingoutofbusiness.com? <laughs> <laughs> you remember that New York store? Oh, there's a, actually, that was brilliant. There's a, an electronics shop that was set up in New York that was, uh-huh. the like, the name of it was Going Out of Business Sale. But people that didn't realize that was the name of the shop were yeah. thinking that it was a it was shop going, going out, out of business. Out of business. Yeah. And they really leaned into that so that everything looked like it had some high price that was crossed out and like take 50% off. Uh-huh. But, but that was their business model, just operating like that. <laughs> okay. I was totally unaware. Yeah, that was a real thing. It was not just a Saturday Night Lights, Night Live sketch. Oh, did you hear Saturday Night Live? It looks like it might be going away. Yeah, I did. I, I know they've gotten rid of quite a bit of the cast and so on. But I mean, people left. Yeah, but I mean, they also had a pretty big cast. Saturday Night Live, man. I they have done some funny bits here and there, but I've I, it's never been for me and my generation. I. I mean, if particularly funny bit, I'll catch mm-hmm. on YouTube at this point. But other yeah. than that, it's not something I'm watching. Yeah, they've gone through plenty of ups and downs in terms of cast. I think the original cast was just brilliant. And then they kind of went through a little bit of dry spell and they had another resurrection cast that was very good. That like guys like Norm McDonald were on. Yeah. And if Saturday Night Live were to not be live, and just be a YouTube channel doing sketch comedy, they'd yeah. probably be fantastic. Yeah. Well, if Funny or Die basically is what it was alums from Saturday Night Live. But yeah, I don't know. I think the live aspect has really lost a lot of the appeal. Although really, if they were doing it live, it should be on Twitch, not on YouTube. Yeah. Well, whatever. But, and I bet you if they put Saturday Night Live on Twitch in real time, that mm-hmm. they would get a record Twitch audience. Maybe. I think they uh, would. I really do. Uh, It'd have to yeah. be funny though. Like it couldn't be bad. That's the thing is they've gone so woke and yeah. stayed there that you can't keep making fun of old white dudes by having an actor who's an actual murderer playing <laughs> old white dudes. <gasps> oh, shots fired. Uh, yeah. He allegedly changed. 
Well, he's been charged, you know. He's been charged. Yeah. Char- That's charging right is he's not proof of a crime. Throw the key away as far as I'm concerned. Well, I mean, and, and what we're talking about is Alec Baldwin. But... <laughs> okay. What was the, uh, what was the Brennan? Okay, Brennan. <laughs> Presumption of innocence until... Uh, uh-huh. yeah. Well, in case of Hollywood See, actors, See, this is why people don't I, like I would Russians, go along with that. Why is that? No presumption of innocence. Because we, yeah, because we're ironic. People don't like irony. Is that what it is? Yeah. That is a cultural phenomenon. And every Russian is ironic. <laughs> Sarcastic, ironic, you name it. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah, so Alex you know Bal- the difference Alec between irony and charged. sarcasm? I, yes. Okay, what do you think of this? I, irony is something that happens. Sarcasm is generally a statement. Yeah, but, so the difference is whether you laugh or not. Ah. Okay. Irony doesn't depend on humor. No, sarcasm irony does. can be tragic. Yeah. Sarcasm yeah. depends on the humor. It could be dark humor, but it has to be humor. But anyway, so what were you we saying? Something about something. So where's your short term memory now? What? I not yeah. not at all. My memory's good. I just wasn't listening. Well, just Alec Baldwin being charged in the rush shooting. You think he didn't do it? Because Tim thinks he did it on purpose. Uh, I don't know that he did it on purpose, but he definitely pulled the trigger and caused the gun didn't go off magically. That's guns don't do that and if it were dropped and went off okay sure being Mm -hmm. held stable in someone's hand that doesn't happen just doesn't aiming a gun at another person while pulling the trigger regardless of what you think is in the gun is always dangerous and you are always responsible for the consequences that's what absolutely well and in most scenarios my understanding is when people are acting, usually they will do it at such an angle so it looks like they're pointing the gun at someone, but they're not actually pointing the right. gun at someone. I think that says a lot. This entire picture, there was a lot of strife. There was a lot of angst and animosity yeah. on the crew. I, I, the armorer definitely... Was like 12 years old. Well, and inexperienced and needs to be questioned and looked at. His defense of... Well, someone gave it to me, and I'm not supposed to. Bullshit, dude. You, Alec Baldwin's been in enough pictures. Tons of movies with him handling guns. Yes, he. And here's the thing: if you hand me a gun, regardless of the scenario, we're at the range. You hand me a gun. First thing I'm going to do is eject the magazine, Mm -hmm. check the chamber, see where I'm at, put it back in. Unless I watch you do that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I would never hand somebody a gun without the slide open. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that that's absolutely what you should do, right? Yeah. It's good etiquette. But the fact of the matter is, this is a revolver. He could have thrown the cylinder open, saw that there were bullets in there. Mm-hmm. And since he's going to point it at someone, it would be logical well, for him rehearsing. to drop he's them. He's not shooting, so if he sees bullets in a gun for rehearsal, he should take them out and hand them to an assistant to take off stage, then Absolutely. do the rehearsal, then bring the bullets back. Well, blanks. But blank, but yes. right, fine, blanks. But, but I mean, you, even when you're rehearsing, you don't, you don't have blanks in the gun when you're rehearsing, dude. No, not at all. 
And the fact that they were using the same gun for general fun plinking in the evenings is just, that's asinine. Well, I mean, it's fine. So No, no it's not. That it, gun is a prop. It should it, be treated as No, it's as not. It, so this is the thing. They, they, were, they were not using a prop gun. No, a prop a gun prop would not have a barrel that, that is, could fire a weapon. Right. That could that, fire a projectile. A prop gun is not necessarily a gun that can't shoot. A prop gun or otherwise is anything that is used in the production of a movie. That's a prop. Yeah, yeah. Okay. My point is that it was a real firearm. They were using it as a prop and for fun. I have mm-hmm. no problem with them shooting in the evening and enjoying firearms because oh, I, I think do. that's Use great. different gun. Why? If you if you have proper for firearm handling reason. etiquette on no bullshit because uh, if he had done what he was supposed to do no. there, there's no way in reality that this is an accident I'm sorry I don't think it's a good idea to do that with any props I wouldn't want people if your movie involves fast cars I don't want people in the evening after done shooting taking off and taking the car down to Laguna Beach Why not? no don't do shit that can endanger somebody the next day. Don't place additional risk where it doesn't need to be. But that's not what happened. The risk was not introduced by them shooting the gun. The risk was introduced by them mishandling the gun. What Baldwin did is totally unrelated to what I'm talking about. I'm saying in general, once something becomes a prop, once there's a specific use for this item in the course of shooting a movie... Don't use that same item for non-movie related stuff until you're done with using it for the movie. That's, that's just risk management. You don't want to have to replace the brakes on the car you're using in the movie because somebody was fucking around, having fun running that same car all over town in the evenings. You don't want to have to do anything that compromises the potential risk of an item that is a prop. So it should only be used during the movie. And that, I mean, goes through for everything. Chairs, tables, doesn't matter what it is. If it's used in the course of a production and it is a prop, it has been paid for by the production company. Don't fucking use it for anything else until the movie's over and all that shit gets sold. I think Gene's saying that he speaks from experience here. Something bad happened. Well, I was a producer in the past, so there's, mm. I just not think just it's the bad no agenda practice. show. No, I mean like an actual movie producer, but it's not a it's not proper etiquette to do that, and they were doing it. It had nothing to do with Baldwin's actions. I just don't like them doing that. Fair enough. Yeah. And Baldwin, I mean, I don't know. I somehow think that 20 years ago, when he was a little younger, I don't think this would have happened unless it was intentional. Right now, Tim thinks it's intentional. I think that it's probably more likely just neglect on Baldwin's part and not intent. Here's the thing. Regardless of intent, he shot the woman. Mm -hmm. At the very least, it's manslaughter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, he killed someone. You can argue about was he a murderer that implies some intent but he's absolutely a killer (laughs) well you cannot say even that this was accidental right he intentionally pulled the trigger there's an intentional act yeah Yeah, now he may not have thought that the gun would go off or whatever but through his negligence it did 
Yep. And he bears responsibility for that. And I, he may not be the only person that bears responsibility, but he's certainly the main person who bears responsibility. Yep. So we'll see. Hollywood justice. We'll see. Yeah. I, I just, I wonder if we're going to see a repentant crying Alec Baldwin talking no, about. He's going to say it wasn't his fault the entire time. You think he's just going to stick with that? Okay. He has no remorse. He doesn't think he that, did anything wrong. That was a good movie, yeah. <laughs> I, okay, unintentional. But no, I don't think he thinks he did anything wrong. He's the victim here in his mind. Do you think that he's been coached into that? Or do you just think that he is? No, I think that he with he's coached himself into it. So he is very much in a liberal mind space, right? He really is with his depiction of Trump, everything. I think he's gone down the victimization rabbit hole as it were. And I, if he intentionally did it, then what I'm saying is wrong, but I'm not going to assume that he intentionally did it. Cause I think if he wanted to kill someone, he could have it done in different ways. He's worth enough money that if he wanted her dead, she'd be dead. Yeah. And in well, less of a way Tim's, that he would be blamed. I think Tim's argument is that he thought that this would be a great way to get away with it because he had a inexperienced armor and said, he blamed this on and did blame on. And he could act his way into convincing people this was totally not his fault and not have to pay any consequences for taking this woman out. But that assumes that he wants to be the person who ends this woman. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not willing to make that assumption yet. Really? Haven't you no. ever wanted to end some somebody's life? I mean... I've wanted to kick the crap out of someone multiple okay, times well, in my life. You remember, these people in Hollywood, they're you know, such narcissists. Again, it's just, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Hopefully there's an actual trial. and I think he probably will end up on trial, but I think he's going to get the glove treatment. I don't think he's you're gonna wrong. Get, I think he's going to get whatever the minimum that they can end up selling to the public. And saying, look, it's totally all these other people's fault, but also he should have known better and he made a mistake that ended up in this woman losing her life. And we're going to teach him a lesson for that. It'll be like two years. So you actually think he'll see jail time? No, I think that's what's going to be handed to him in the fight, in the judgment. I don't know if he's going to ever be in jail or not, but it could be. Yeah, but no. it'll be Martha Stewart-esque. Yeah, exactly. It'll be uh, it'll be jail time on Martha's Vineyard. He'll be spending his time teaching English to the uh, the Mexicans that showed up <laughs> from Florida. So what a good troll! What a good troll! Uh, yeah, that was very good. Uh, all right. Anyway, man. I gotta get some vacationing done here, so I gotta run. But you enjoy your staycation. I'm not staying anywhere, dude. I'm gonna do all kinds of activities out here. Yeah, a full schedule. Well, you have a good one, Gene. It's been right. good talking to you. Yeah, and we'll see you all back in a week. And as always, thanks for joining me. Please do keep in mind that nothing in this podcast represents financial, legal, or medical advice. 